Thank you again for tuning in to yet another episode of Libations for Everyone. As always, I am one of the co-hosts, Ben Kwam, sitting a very, very safe and distant uh, amount of, of, of feet away from our co-host, Mr. Charles Wad. Uh, Charles, you want to say hi and uh, remind everybody what we're doing and maybe what we're drinking today? Hello, everybody. Uh, yeah, so we, we decided in our impromptu pre-production meeting, we're not going to talk about what we do as much going forward. This is episode 14. Right, fourteen. Yeah, you guys are old hat at this. Yeah, by now. come on. And and the the friends of mine that are, are regular listeners are like, all right, buddy, do you have to explain it every time? We get it. Yeah. So once more, and I'll make it as brief as possible. <laughs> we we do a shot, take a slug of a beverage, uh, what have you. At the beginning, it's usually a shot. Today, actually, we made whiskey sours, uh, and then we will present a topic of conversation. We'll speak to that topic for ten or more minutes. Today, we're going to try to keep it tight. We got real <laughs> crazy last week, and I guess today was like, man, that's a little much. Maybe, we're going to midnight, maybe. Week we, can, we can have a normal-sized episode, so we're going to try and tighten it up a little bit, and actually, that might be good for us going forward. Yeah. But we do a slug. We present a topic, 10 minutes. We, we do another slug of our beverage, another topic of conversation for six total questions. Boom. And for today, the beverage we're drinking is a... Uh, a whiskey sour made with a bottle of Old Forester bottled in bond 1897, which was so good. a holiday gift to me for my friends at Falling Knife that was uh, delivered to me by Dan Herman, previous guest of the show. What up, Dan? And it is made with a sour mix that uh, Mr. Ben Kwam made for us. Yeah, it's Can you a tell us what's in there? Homemade sour going back to the glory days of me working at 4 a.m. at the airport with the lovely and hopefully future <laughs> guest, Miss Emma Held. Uh, we, um, it's basically a normal sour mix that we mix in a little grapefruit and a little orange. It rounds it out. To me, it makes it a little bit more interesting as a mixer, and it'll kind of make different things pop in different beverages. So while a whiskey sour can seem like a, just an easy thing that anybody could throw out, we're trying to make it fun and, and interesting. So uh, here we are with that. And then I'm going to, for the entire month, I'm going to be promoing um, Plus One Golden Ale from Surly. Um, we're doing a fundraiser to try and help save First Avenue. Um, for those of you that listen around the country and maybe overseas, First Ave is an incredibly iconic danceateria and live music emporium. It's my church. It's my therapy. It's a workout session in previous years. Many, many years ago, it was almost a dating app. Uh, <laughs> First Avenue has been everything to me over these years. And for the entire month of January, for anybody listening in territory where Surly Beer is sold, uh, $1 from every four-pack of, of Golden Ale, uh, the beer that we came up with in conjunction with First Ave. $1 of every four-pack is going directly to the Twin Cities Music Community Trust to try and make sure that we never have to deal with a world that doesn't involve First Avenue. So uh, now that my charity pitch is done, I would love to introduce our awesome and amazing and esteemed guest. Uh, would you like to tell everybody your name and maybe where they've heard or seen you before? Sure. Hi. Uh, my name is Mike Augustinak, and I work work for WCCO Television here in the Twin Cities. Uh, I'm a meteorologist, but I've actually, I'm realizing I've actually been on the air all over the world too. I've done some BBC stuff. When our weather gets really cold and they're like, why do you live there? They come and talk to me. Uh, I grew up uh, on television in upstate New York in Albany, and I also did radio there at, at uh, WGY Radio for eight years. So. 
So I, before we get to our first question, I just have to ask you, when you get asked that question, do you go with the stock response that all Minnesotans do? No. Like, oh, but you should see it in the, the oh, autumn God, no. and that one week in the spring. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, not. I don't feel beholden to, to these stories that Minnesotans tell themselves yeah. to get through the winter because I, I didn't grow up here. I mean, I've lived here for 12 years now and I certainly get it and there are great things about it, but winter is not one of them. I'm sorry. It's just not. <laughs> it's uh, not. It's awful. No. I mean, the Scandinavian countries are, are, are what a lot of people who claim they like winter point you to. And that's true. They have great, like, huga and all that great stuff that makes you feel good in the winter in the Scandinavian countries. This is not a joke, but the <laughs> suicide rate is also very high in those Absolutely. countries. And there's a reason for that. So, anyway, no, I don't. I, I, I always speak my mind. <laughs> I love it. I love everything about that. That is perfect. Uh, I also, like we were talking about earlier uh, with just looking at 2020 in general before we started recording, I feel like it's my duty to try and just make the best out of the bad stuff. So I buy snow pants and snowshoes <laughs> and I try to get outside, but I don't, I don't enjoy it. Let's, let's be real. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, what do you say we uh, take our first uh, shots yeah, of this here whiskey cocktail and Mr. Charles Awad, take her away. Uh, well, let's take a shot, and then I'll ask the question. <laughs> <laughs> we did weird orders last Prost. week, so cheers, guys. That's very good. Yeah, I that's love this hour. so good. Yeah, I waited to try it until the program began, so I could have my natural reaction on the program. Ooh, ew! <laughs> if that picked up <laughs> while you were speaking. <laughs> okay, we're do- we're doing a similar thing to you last week, where we didn't order our questions. We're just going to kind of shoot from the hip here. Bring it and on. We do have, I mean, we have lists of questions. We just didn't talk about order. So I'm going to start out with, uh, I think, a pretty easy question. For most people, it would be, what's your favorite piece of clothing or an accessory? It could be something you're attached to, perhaps detrimentally so. Like, you should throw that fucking hat away. But, <laughs> but you refuse to. <laughs> oh, man. I've had so many of those Do hats. you feel yeah. seen? Oh, my God. <laughs> Of my wife right now is just cheering like about time. Uh, my favorite piece of clothing was the suits that used to fit me before COVID. <laughs> I got to be honest with you, I had to buy all new suits. No, that's not true. Let's see. So, okay, so actually, this is going to be a Minnesotan answer, even though it, I don't really necessarily want it to be. But um, after years of wearing like super cute coats that weren't necessarily all that uh, winter coats, I'm talking about that yeah. weren't necessarily all that effective. During the winter, a couple of years ago, I'm just like, I'm too fucking old for this. I'm just going to get a real-ass coat. And so I got a, uh, a down coat. It's actually a parka. I've never really owned a parka before, yeah. so it covers your ass yep. when you're walking down Nicollet Mall, in my instance, to uh, get to work. And it's from North Face, and it's got a, a fuzzy hood, That's a fuzzy fringe around the hood. That thing... As much as I don't like the darkness and lack of sunlight during winter and the cold, that thing actually makes me feel like I am not unpleasantly uncomfortable outside. So, like, if I was living in, you know, back home in New York, I would not say that. But that thing is, is, is made such a big difference in my life. Oh, my God. This is so sad. <laughs> that's, that's us getting our claws in you. Like, now we gotcha. Yeah. Oh, you, I bought a parka, so now I'm staying yep. forever. Okay. Yeah, some people, some states, it's when you change your license or you get uh-huh. the plates from that state. In Minnesota, it's when you finally give in and spend almost an unforgivable amount of money on a parka. <laughs> Like, I wear T-shirts and jeans and stuff if I'm not on the air. I, I, I like wearing a suit, but that's not ever what I would go for in hoodies. So this, this is probably the most significant piece of clothing in my, my Minnesotan history, I would oh, I say. I love it. That's awesome. Go North Face. I think, uh, I think I'm the opposite. I am going to go with 
uh, I have a French blue suit that uh, I had been staring at that color for almost two full seasons, and I don't wear, I don't do a job anymore that I have to wear a suit. So I had a lot of suits, but they were all pretty plain and neutral. Uh, basically so that I could put whatever shirt or tie underneath. I have an extensive collection of bow ties and whatnot. So that was kind of my thing. And then I, I just love this color. Uh, it's like that a little bit. It's kind of like your microphone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Windscreen. For all of you listening out there, it's my, the same <laughs> color. Just look up French blue. You'll know what it is. Um, and when my wife and I were on our honeymoon in Morocco, we went to the, the Yves Saint Laurent, uh, Hacienda that they have down there and it's like there's an entire section of the house that's just painted that color Wow! and after I got back I was like I have to figure that out and I, I finally bucked up and bought myself a suit and it's one of the few times that I really feel like legitimately handsome when I put it on like it's it's amazing how much a piece of clothing can change your own self view yeah and oh my god when I put that on I wore it to a wedding in, in Bogota, Colombia and when I put it on and I walked out, I saw a couple of the other people that were there and they all just like, oh, wow. And I was like, oh, there it is. Yep. I just needed that for me. And then you get a little more pep in your step. And totally. You, you're a little bit more fly on the dance floor. You, at least you feel maybe a little bit more free. Yeah, same shitty moves, but you look yeah, really exactly. good doing it, right? But somehow more people yeah. are, are cheering you on for it. <laughs> I filled in on, uh, on CBS News, like actually in New York for a couple of days. This was when I first started. And... I knew that was happening for a few months leading up to it. And I'm like, I I need all of the help I can get to not crap myself when I do this. Because it was super exciting, and I I ended up having a lot of fun doing it. Everybody there was incredibly nice. But I went out and bought two new suits so that, for the the exact reason you said, when you walked into the room, you knew at least you were looking fly, and you didn't have to worry about that. It's weird. Everything that I believe in my heart about the human soul and everything shouldn't be so tethered to that. Right, yeah. But yet, I see it in myself, you know? Mm -hmm. The minute you have a piece of clothing on that, that... sometimes because you spend a little bit more money on it, it also makes it more meaningful. Like I know that I had to save for that. And I know that I had to like go through a bunch of different suit makers to do that. Or you tried out a bunch of different coats, but you got to the one that was like, that's me. Yeah. And most of the time, most of the stuff I buy, it's like, that's nice. Throw it (laughs) back. It keeps me from being naked. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) What about you, Charles? So I'm going to go the direction of clothes. I probably should have known. (laughs) <laughs> is it vinyl pants? Come on, see, no, it's vinyl, vinyl pants, pants again. Are, those are long gone. <laughs> those are long gone. I tried to burn them, but they didn't melted. Work. <laughs> okay. I came back. Uh, so there's there's two items of clothing. They're, the only ball cap that I wore for probably anyone who knows me that's listening to this is instantly yelling the fucking orange Longhorns hat. <laughs> so I had a Texas Longhorns hat that was the only ball cap that I felt fit my head exactly right. And I just loved how that thing looked. And I wore that thing tirelessly for years, for many, many years. Do you years. have any ties to Texas or Austin? or I just love the football okay. and basketball programs. Okay. And they're far enough from the U of M that I don't have to feel bad Got about it. any sort of competition with the Gophers. They're not mm-hmm. in the Big Ten. But that hat, I just adored that hat. And I just beat that thing up bad. That thing's so it's either hidden or gone. <laughs> Marnie didn't see me wear it an awful lot, but she may have thrown it away just because of how beat up it is. I now have a hat that I like just as much. It's the FKBC graffiti hat that yep. I designed for Falling Knife. Uh, really nice black hat. But for years, I just could not find another ball cap I liked anywhere near as much as that. So it's the only one I wore. The other item of clothing that is even more valuable to me, because it's actually monetarily valuable, is my 
original release Austin 316 Stone Cold Steve Austin shirt. Yeah! Oh, wow. <laughs> I was probably 15 when I got that shirt. I'm 39 now. I still wear that thing. And it actually, it, it looks like really weathered. And I including bet. including the black shirt itself is sure. now like uh, charcoal gray. Yeah. But the ink <laughs> on it is still... Like the back, the back is finally like the skull with the smoking eyes is finally starting to weather to the degree that you almost can't tell what it is. So every time I look at it, I'm like, "What do I got? Two good, two more good wears?" Yeah, do you wash that thing, thing anymore, or do we like? I, I try, just let it put I it in the freezer. To, and, yeah. I might not be able to anymore. Yeah. I think the last time I wore it was when I took JP, my my brother JP, to. Uh, a wrestling pay-per-view in Chicago for one of his Christmas gifts last year. It's called uh, the show called Revolution. That was uh, at it was AEW Revolution. Oh, yeah. downtown Chicago. I took my brother to that, and I was like, I'm gonna wear my Stone Cold shirt. I'm gonna be that guy. I'll probably get a couple compliments, which I did because it's the original the OG. Stone Cold shirt, which still fits me, which is pretty cool. But that thing, that thing, I'll never throw away. I should probably frame it while it's still like yes. visible what it is, <laughs> but it's it's essentially framed and hanging in my closet because it's just there staring at me like saying, "Come on, man, wear me," even though I'm falling apart. Do it. <laughs> so can we get back to the hat thing? Yeah. Because I have a tiny pinhead and no hats fit me. You guys have okay. big heads. I have a giant head. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say I felt that because I just it's so hard for me to find a hat that fits me. I have an eight. Oh my gosh. So, like, I, it, not only do I have to find hats that just A, fit the circumference, but then don't make it look like I've just put a pattern on a satellite. <laughs> like, the, it, it, some fedoras, like, if I do a flat brim, I look like I'm about to odd job an entire crowd of people <laughs> and just take them all. I look like Kung Lao on Mortal Kombat. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, but fitted hats do okay with me. And then I have, like, a couple fedoras and cabbie hats. Huh. But it's, it's basically like I just hunt all year long, and about once a year I find a jewel that fits. Okay, see, this makes me feel better, because I literally thought I was the only guy that didn't look good in a baseball cap. And I know they all fit differently, and yeah, you need sure. to find the right one. But yeah. I always thought, like, no, I have too small of a head. A I'm a head. tweener in, in sizes for everything. I'm between two sizes. Sure. I feel like for tees, the large is a little too big, because I like a snugger fit. Oftentimes, the medium is, like, too short on my body because I'm 6'2". So, like, on my torso, a medium shirt often will ride up my back, whereas a large will be down to my knees, which doesn't make sense. Like, I don't – not that far, but I don't like when it hangs all the way over your entire crotch or, like, half (laughs) your ass. It's just annoying. (laughs) Mike, were you thinking about – but like like ball hats, yeah. or, okay. Um, fitted new, or like new, even? I would honestly it doesn't matter backs. to me. I, I prefer fitted, but if they were yeah. snapback and it actually fit me well, New Era makes a hat that I only know about because I actually can't wear it. <laughs> um, but it's literally called a low ride hat, oh. and it's it. I found out after buying one, it's actually meant for people with smaller heads. Shut up, because it's a little bit more shallow, so yeah. then it doesn't look pinched and weird like you're a, yeah. like a comic book supervillain right. when you put it on. Um, so if you go to New Era or go to like any of the hat stores, if knows. malls still exist, and uh, hey, and um, yeah, it's the the low ride low hat, ride. and they have them fitted and they have them um, adjustable. Done. I've like I said, I, I put it cool. on and I looked like I put a that. bill on a yamaka. Like it was, it was <laughs> it sitting like if, yeah, okay. it was just up on. The, <laughs> so you look like a cartoon baby. I, yes, yes, yeah. If I had, if I had put a diaper on, I'm like ah, if, come on. <laughs> I mean, we'll get when I put it back on. Uh, well, you heard the bell. It's sip time. All right. 
I'm like, yeah, okay. I've been sipping the whole time. But sure. It's like well, a, especially it's, good it's trying here. For Thirsty. everybody that's playing along at home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, what is something that people don't understand about the job you do or perceive completely wrongly? Like, is there something that, not specific to you, right. but in your profession, like, what do people miss the most? And could we clear up something for some listeners out there? Uh, there are a few, but probably the one that is going to be most instructive to people beyond the weather jokes aren't funny because we've all heard them 40,000 times before. <laughs> uh, we, as meteorologists on television, do everything. Um, whereas back in the day when I was growing up, a lot of what I watched on TV were, were weather casters, and, and certainly weather casters still exist. But um, the trend has been toward more actual scientists on the air. And also at the same time, like a lot of other industries, staffs have been shrinking within television stations. So where in the past you might have had what was called a weather producer that would actually make graphics and uh, help kind of pull information from other parts of the country to introduce into your weather cast to make them a little more interesting. We don't generally have those anymore. Hmm. So it's one person making coming in, making the forecast, updating all the social media, updating all the graphics that go out over the air, updating the website, uh, and also presenting it on the air. And then in addition to that, if there's severe weather or extra coverage that's required, it's again, all that same person and their responsibility to communicate what actually needs to be done above and beyond the normal to the newsroom. So we have a big That's team. Insane. We have a big team and, yeah. and the newsroom, uh, we work very closely together, news management as well. But at the end of the day, they agree with us that we know best what is important on any particular day in the weather. So they leave it up to us and, and rely on our expertise. But that does create quite a challenge when the, the weather is really hitting the fan and yeah. you're one person or maybe two people and you need to do it all. I, I have to admit this to you because I've never been able to tell somebody this in person, but I took a meteorology class in college because I thought it would be an easy A. Oh, right. And I was floored yeah. by the amount of math yeah. and the amount of science and, that you, and physics that you have to understand and that basically the minute that you started the equation all the integers have already changed <laughs> because we're just doing the like the best that we can yeah. and i i was floor- like i could still to this day i nerd out sometimes because i can name all the clouds oh nice I, I got that, that- <laughs> but all the math the minute i got out of that class it was gone yeah was like, there's no way i'm going to remember any of this oh man i should have brought cans of cumulonimbus oh that would have been awesome <laughs> you've given me that before that's really good beer yeah <laughs> it's cr- it's crazy though because the, the to do what I do well, and I'm not saying I necessarily do it well, but you, you do sort of need both left brain and right brain stuff because the first hour to two hours of your shift is, is hardcore science. And then you need to speak like a normal human being in a very unnatural situation in a, a room with no other people and a camera staring at you about a topic that most people don't really understand and really shouldn't have to understand. That's your job to explain it to them, right? So... The, the, the people that are the most successful in particularly the weather aspect of TV news, I think are sort of weird hybrid scientists, class clown, which is why back in the 70s and 80s in particular, you had these freaking comedians, you know, that these clowns that were on the air delivering the weather. 
Um, but that's, that's the thing. A lot of people think, like, you go on at 4.30 in the morning, so you show up at 4 a.m., and somebody does your makeup, and you go on the air. No, that's, that's not true. We, I, I'm in at 1.45. I'm sorry. I'm in at 2.45 or 3 no for a way. 4.30 show. And, yes, we all do our own makeup. That's wild. Yeah. Holy shit. But I enjoy it because yeah. I'm a little bit of a control freak, and so it gives me – I would rather have too much to do than too little to do. How, how many people, every time there's a storm coming, how many people in your family or friend group text you to get the insider they info? They now know. Yeah, well, so the insider <laughs> info is my, favorite, is my favorite part of the whole proposition. Like, do you think I'm going on the air only giving half the story or lying? And then, oh, but the real story just for you guys is this. No, that would make me a horrible person, and I should be fired if I'm doing that. I finally have my parents, my mom and dad, have been stuck with me longer than my in-laws have. So they know not to bother me, but I've done a a pretty good job with the help of my lovely husband, Eric, to sort of help explain to my in-laws that that is the worst possible time (laughs) to be asking me for a personalized (laughs) forecast because I'm busy protecting the other quarter million people that are watching. All Um, right. I want to throw you an app idea. Instead of doing, because everybody's like fighting over who can make the, the prettiest Doppler radar yeah. map, uh, you should do. Uh, you should come up with a weather app that just puts out the exact same information that you're saying on TV, but then you can just pair it with a cocktail or something to have while you're hanging out at home. Like today, we're going to get two to three inches of snow. Not going to lie, perfect night for pot roast <laughs> and a nice, nice cabernet, that, and like have really good quality pictures of pot roast. Yes, and like sexy, yes. sexy food styled photos. And yeah. Just get it to slowly move up with the with the weather. <laughs> Yeah, real I sick like of dark and stormies in the spring. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, Charles, what about for you, owning your own business in the creative field? Yeah. Well, what I do for a living, it, it, I guess everything I do in my field is mistaken by most people. Because <laughs> All of it is your answer. Yeah, there's so many memes for... So I'm a creative director. No, I was going to say, yeah, what's your version of what you do? And then what's the, what's the world's version of what so, you do? I'm a creative director, but I'm the creative director of a small Northeast Minneapolis-based studio. So, de facto, I take on a lot of roles. And like yourself, Mike, I actually prefer to have more work to do than no work to do. Mm -hmm. And a big part of that is also uh, being a control freak. Mm -hmm. I'll admit it to anybody that comes across me professionally. I want to make sure that things are done my way because this company is built on my back. It's uh, It's your name. yeah. Yeah, my studio has been around for over 12 years the company itself has been around for 16 or 17 years now right, so it means everything to me and i like to take hold of all of the projects and make sure that they start out with my vision and they end and are polished the way that i wanted them to appear at the end of the day most people though <laughs> most uh, consumers and often most business owners think that doing i'll just say the design part of the equation you think doing commercial, graphic, design, advertising, uh, marketing, branding, like all of the things within that realm uh, are as simple as like waking up, making a cup of coffee, swinging the mouse around a couple times, and then clicking export, and then uh, I guess like twiddling your thumbs or playing video games for the rest of the day. No one really puts into consideration like conceptualization, all the sketching that you have to do, uh, all the studying you have to do. I'm sure all your clients are awesome, but annoying, yes. annoying clients. <laughs> yeah, no, my clients are actually, yeah, yeah. I, I have the clients I have for a reason. Sure. We're fortunate as a small studio to have more demand than, than we can actually take on work. But that's the way I built a business because I want to work with high quality clients. So most of our work is with I talk about Falling Knife all the time and Prize Brewing Company. Those two uh, breweries comprise 
about 80% of our workload at the studio. And I love working with both clients. doesn't mean that we don't occasionally have creative differences. But, but that's a part of it. Like you, they have, uh, there's, I'm sure there's such a back and forth on things that mm-hmm. most people wouldn't even consider were thought about because that's how good branding work works. It's, you, you're not supposed to think about why you like this picture or this tagline. Certainly. That was your job. Yeah. And actually the irony is that I require negative feedback. It, without it, you aren't going to end up with a quality result. That's a good one, yeah. You need someone to say, like, well, actually, I would prefer this instead. Sometimes it can get to be a bit much. You know, <laughs> with, in the past, I've had clients who say, you know what? I'm one of those guys who knows it when I see it. And you're like, oh, cool. So you want to do like a WYSIWYG th- thing here? What you see is what you get? They're like, sure. And I'm like, all right, here's what I'm going to bill you. I'm estimating this, these are the number of hours and then the sale of art for what you're going to require. Uh, all right, cool. Go ahead. And then at the end of the day, you deliver, okay, this art is 90%. I just need to post-produce it. You basically said, just just do the work. And they're like, you know what? I was picturing something much darker. Like, <laughs> Wait a second. You said, Hold on. you said you were fine with what you see is what you get. Um, or there's, yeah, there are people also who say, I want to react to it, but you try not to take it too far. Some people say, do what you want. Some people say, I need to react to it. Uh, it, it can be complex. However, to get back to the original topic at hand, People don't really understand what creatives do, and it's so much more about psychology mm. and understanding what people react to when they look at a piece of visual art. Like what I went to school for is called visual communications. It's not called graphic design. It's because you're communicating visually, and sometimes people need to trust that what you're doing is in the best interest of producing sales. Mm-hmm. Like I'm trying to sell product for you. And we're doing that via visuals, via uh, words, um, via the placement of these things. And I'm always fortunate to have a client that understands that. But I think the layman, in terms of like what we're talking about, because you're talking about what like the layman would think about mm-hmm. what you do, in terms of what the layman thinks about what I do, they probably just think that I go click, 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 and someone cuts me a check. <laughs> Found somebody else's art and just superimposed it. Yeah, just just slide a bunch of stuff on the screen. Shutterstock. Click yeah. go. Right. There you, go. You, you mentioned the, the psychological aspect of it. Do you mm-hmm. have any sociology or psychology classes under your belt as part of your degree? I, quite frankly, I can't recall. I graduated <laughs> in 2004. I, we may have had a psychology okay. class. I, I really do not remember. However... I would not have, you wouldn't learn about that until you get into the real world because you have to have people react to your work and you have to study the work of others and understand how people reacted to that work. And the problem with the latter part of the equation is that no one's going to, no one's going to give you the data. You have to collect your own data and it's not until you become well-versed at what you do and, and qualified and talented at what you do and understand how people react to the work and whether there was a return on investment until so much further down the road. That's a big part of it. It's not necessarily learning uh, the technical skills or the artistic skills. It's about understanding what people need to see to react to spend money. So that's a piece of what's coming, believe it or not, into meteorology. I'm, I'm very involved in one of the two biggest professional societies for meteorologists in the country, the American Meteorological Society. I'm actually a commissioner, one of nine in the entire 10,000-person organization. And more and more of our conferences include some sociological slash psychological wow. aspect to it because we are trying to get people to take action 
based we want them to take the action we want them to take for example when there's a tornado warning well in it turns out through a lot of sociological surveys post tornado surveys the the number one thing that makes people decide to take shelter when a tornado warning is issued is not what i say it's what their friends and family are doing because most people have not ever seen a tornado and they think either it can happen here or I don't want to be embarrassed by going into the tornado shelter. And as a scientist, you don't want to hear that, but you need to know that. And as a client, for example, Charles, that's coming to you, you may not think that matters or it may not be what you quote unquote envisioned, but you have the experience to tell them, I know this will work because of X, Y, and Z. Right. That's fascinating. I've never thought about that, but that, Absolutely, is a, that's a part of everything. I guess maybe do. people look at it the same way as their doctor telling them that two drinks a week is too much. Yeah, <laughs> if you're like, go in the basement, Carl. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm okay. My friends are having more, and they're fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I think uh, you know what? I'm just going to say right off the bat: I sell beer for a living. No, we don't drink beer all day. Done. <laughs> I want to address something that has been a career of mine for 20 years, and I am mostly retired. But I got. I got a burr up my ass on New Year's Eve again about this. Uh, When you're booking a DJ for an event or a wedding or or a fundraiser or whatever, that's not where you should cut your costs. Mm. That's if, if, if the whole point of it is that everybody is together partying at the end, you need to focus on that as your thing because that's what people are going to remember. They're not going to remember that you spent five bucks per plate extra on foie canapes versus a different canapé. I'd remember that. <laughs> and honestly, well, you know what? If it was foie, okay, yes. Okay, okay. But if, if you're switching from chicken to salmon to beef or whatever and you're going for the most pops. important... No one needs cake pops. Yeah, all of that stuff or, or you're going to go for the, the imported hothouse flowers from uh, Sri Lanka. Sure. Those will be dead in a day or two. And some people will say, oh, they looked really pretty, but not a lot of people are going to ask about that. But everybody's going to remember what the party was afterwards. And you have to remember that that person that you're hiring to do that is also not only in charge of making hundreds of people that are your closest family and friends happy or your clients that you're trying to get money to donate to this charity for. But on top of that, it's also an entire day for them. It's getting all the equipment there. It's making sure everything works. It's throwing the party and then reading the crowd. And... We did a little DJ show for people that were having New Year's Eve at home, and we, I got two messages from people that were shocked that we said, pay what you can, mm. you know, just chip in, that we were asking for money. They're like, you guys are just hanging oh. out playing music. And <laughs> I was like, low. I thought you meant, that seemed low to me, pay no, what you can. No. They, th- they didn't want anything at they all. They didn't want anything at all. They thought it was rude of me to ask for any money. People actually said this Yeah. Thing? Yeah, I got two messages. That's and it's crazy. really odd. Uh, as Mike and I were talking as I was setting up about editing our friends list, some people highlight themselves and it's great. <laughs> like delete. <laughs> yep. But uh I, I just think that a lot of people don't understand that should be if if entertainment is the focus for the night, you should spend the most money on the entertainment. And if if getting this grand hall means that you have to get somebody with like their iPhone to plug in, maybe you should decide is the hall the most important thing or is it everybody like dancing and singing together? And I've just, I've, I've been invited to so many weddings where I'm fl- I love when people say, I just want you to come as a guest. Like you don't have to yeah. do anything. It's so great. Cause I actually get to be a part of your day. But yeah, then we were pointed about that. Actually, we were like, we don't want him to DJ. We don't want him to. <laughs> yeah. And I honestly, I love that every year more and more people do that. I, I would love to not work anybody's weddings anymore yeah but uh 
I get invited to some, and then you like you see what's going on, and I know for a fact because if it's in Minnesota, I know how much they're sure. asking. Yeah, and you see it happen, and you're like, ah. And then people start looking at you, like, they're looking at me, like, can you go do something? Like, no, that's, that's that guy's <laughs> shit, man. I ain't doing anything. But just, that was just my, my PSA. I just wanted to say, beer people don't drink beer all day, and I can't imagine and, that and people... And DJing really, is work, too. And DJing is work, too. But they're again, creative pursuits. Yeah, you, highlighted, creative you highlighted reading the crowd. That's the same... That's I mean, it. it's the same thing. It's the same thing we were talking that was, about. As soon as you started talking, yeah. I actually changed what I was going to say, because that made me think about the DJ thing, because yeah. it's just like, shit. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, we timer went off a few minutes ago, so we can move on to the next one. Let's do it. Uh, Charles, you want to take it? And I'm going to mix myself another cocktail. Do you have anything left to take one, one sip here? <laughs> Ice go. water. Cheers. Cheers. Uh, this is a good format. <laughs> that is a good beverage. Okay, question number two. All right, I'm going to go with this one. What is your desert island cocktail? The one drink you would drink for the rest of your life if you could only have one. Oh. People usually ask that about, like, food or books. <laughs> Let's face it, we'd be drinking a lot. I think any of us here would yeah. be drinking a lot. This show has self-selected its audience, too. So, <laughs> Not that we have illiterate listeners, but yeah. Um, so, specifically because it's a desert island, I think, as opposed to... Uh, up on the North Shore stuck for the rest of your life because that would definitely change what I would choose. I have gotten... My go-to drink has become the Jungle Bird. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's like... It has a lot of the stuff that I really like about liquor and drinking. It has the Amaro component to it. I really love pineapple juice. That's just, just something that's instantly tropical with that. Mm-hmm. Um, it has a little bit of rum in it as well. And... Uh, so the Amaro is Campari. I, I don't know. It's just, it strikes, it, it gets me no matter what mood I'm in for something a little darker and danker, for something a little stiffer, for something a little fruitier or lighter. It sort of sure. checks all those boxes for me. And it doesn't, it's like a four ingredient cocktail too. So it's also fun because you can, with a jungle bird, because you can, you can play with that. If you yeah. want to make it less sweet and a lot more astringent, you can do that. If you want to make both of those less and just have it be a little boozier, you can do that. And they all work. Yeah. I mean, like, I, sure, I love a, a silly hurricane, but I would never want that. Like, I would get a stomachache, I think. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Sure. But I, I could drink, like, in the house, Eric's like, what do you want tonight? A jungle bird? <laughs> like, <laughs> yes, I want a fucking jungle bird, all right? When did you really get into them? Because they started to become a big thing this year. And for me, or last, sorry, in 2020, they became a bigger thing. I think 2021 is the year of the jungle bird. I think people are really... Seriously? Be, yeah. I think it's going to become very popular. I've been seeing a lot of stuff on, like, Punch Drink. Sure. About them but in late summer. Usually you identify trends that are emergent for the following hot yeah. season when you see people start talking about it early or late into the final uh, portion of the hot season. Like the uh, 2019 thing was spaghetti. People were talking about spaghetti a lot. And then last Trying summer to steal was like, our shit. Sp- the summer of spaghetti. Now I've been seeing a lot of people like the Tim and Eric character or what? No. I- okay. Uh, it's, it's, it's a drink that Charles and I both individually fell in love Shut with. Up. And then we start, when we started doing this podcast, we both started Bringing them and talking yeah, about Aperol them. or Campari and a squeeze of lemon juice in uh, just a crappy corn lager. Yep. So a high life. A Tam's, I just call it that. But uh, really? Yep. Tom's, Tom's lager from Falling, from Falling Knife. Falling Knife. Is, they actually made a version of it for my birthday for me, which was cool. <laughs> any really, um, any really easy drinking lager that yeah. has that slight um, sweet finish, yeah. usually from flaked corn, but it could be mm-hmm. from 
a lot of different things, but anything that gets that little sweetness because it stands up to the Aperol. And for me, I don't know if it's the lemon in there, but it almost makes it sweeter and more bitter at the same time. Like it, it does both, and yeah, I don't I know to, how it does yeah, that. Yeah, it's a, it's like a lager spritz. Yeah, it's it a lager nice, spritz. And it's really tasty. Plus, really it's just refreshing. fun to yell spaghetti. But right. Jungle Bird, <laughs> we talk about spaghetti on this show so much. Spaghetti. The Jungle Bird, however, I think I, I've seen a lot of people, uh, both with cachet and without cachet, in the cocktail scene, really late in the season, I'm talking like September. That were like, ooh, Jungle Bird recipes, and I'm like, well, hang on a second, yeah, I think this is coming back. So I don't know. I've, it's been like three or four years. What okay. what did it for me was um, the Amaro book, and I'm blanking on the author's name. Oh God, I know what you're Brad talking. Brad Thomas Parsons. Yep, yep. There you go. It's in his. It's in the Amaro book, and that book, along with the Cocktail Codex from uh, from the, the people at Death and Company, those mm-hmm. are my two go to books for the past year or so. Sure. Uh, and actually, the Amaro book for several several years before that. I loved it because it introduced me to you know. There's a gazillion Amaro Amari. Uh, and I learned about a lot of them through his book, but I d- did not have any idea I was on some sort of trend. I actually I, kind of prefer to be off trend, to be honest with you. I'm prognosticating, you know, like yeah. there's no certain thing. But again, speaking to what I do, work with primarily libation space companies, like we work with Meteor and other bars. I also have to forecast for marketing purposes what I think is coming in and out of style. And that's just one of my, I'm rolling the dice on that. And you're on record that you liked them for 100%. a long time yep. prior yep. to, but hey, Meteor, Meteor will probably make an amazing one yep. in the summer. Yeah. And then you'll have fun places that you can go to and just order one up. I remember, <laughs> yeah, try a different version. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I, the, the um, Jungle Bird for me is actually probably my favorite in the Tiki family. And uh, I just thought it was deserving of a shout out. Uh, I was actually introduced to that cocktail by Brad Smith, who we lost in 2020. And I was in New Orleans uh, visiting him with my wife. And we went to Latitude 29, Mm. which between that and Three Dots and a Dash in Chicago are my favorite tiki bars on earth. And uh, he put me at the end of the bar and he said, do you have anything that you hate? I was like, no. And he goes, cool. I'm just going to keep making stuff you tell me when something hits that you really love. And the Jungle Bird was the first cocktail where I hadn't been paying attention at all to what he'd made. Mm-hmm. And after a few tiki drinks, it becomes really hard to yes. discern like the differences between them. Yep. But I knew that that one hit really well, and it was Jungle Bird. And instantly, that just became something that, that huh. we make up at the house every now sure. and then. And again, because it can be sweeter. It can be more bitter. It can be more yeah. boozy. But to add to that, uh, I've been out of bars as an employee since 2017, and I think 2017 was the fourth year in a row that we had said, this will be the year that rum gets huge. (laughs) So maybe this is finally coming. No, I don't think it's about rum getting huge, because every year you hear that. It's going to happen. Hey, I'm fine with it not happening, because it is happening with Mezcal, and it's making me real pissed off, because it's getting more expensive. (laughs) Uh, Is the spaghetti yours? No, it's not. It is not. Do you want me to go? I, I can go too. I yeah. Mine honestly. Oh, yeah, you not should the go, Juan. Yeah, you, you should, should go. go. As long as it's ice cold, okay. uh, it's. I, I think I'd have to say an IPA of some type. I I want also, to say something but different. A cocktail. Oh, but it's got to be a cocktail. Yeah. That, okay. I would, I would like. No, I would IPA like cocktail. To be a cocktail. If if you're gonna make me pick between all alcoholic beverages, okay. I'm building a boat. All right. <laughs> uh, if if it's got to be a cocktail, then it would probably be. Um, a riff on a last word using more Akavit instead of gin. 
Okay. I, that's when I don't know what else to make at home. If I'm not going to do whiskey as a sipper, that's what I usually go with. And I just think that that hits all of my flavors. It's a little bit citrusy. If you make it stiffer with the spirits, it just more accentuates the flavors in the Akavit. Um, and it hits exactly the tart and sweet levels mm-hmm. that I love. And that's one for me, that lingering caraway and rye taste, like that will always be shit I, I go for because it's in my blood. Yeah. But that will be, that, that to me would probably be my cocktail. Have you ever had a mezcal last word? Uh, I have uh, at um, Popovo. I was going to say Centro. Yeah. Actually, I think you were there with me one time when we were ordering that. Yeah, you're right. Okay, because I, I, I vaguely remember that, but they, they knocked it out of the park oh. there. They always, if you order anything off menu that is just a classic cocktail, old-fashioned Negroni with mezcal in it, they will kill it because they have a good selection. Oh, yeah. And their last word, oh, man, that's my favorite last word. Centro was the last place I had a mezcal old-fashioned. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I kind of, I go through their stuff on their menu. Their Waka Flocka is their, like, signature mezcal cocktail. And once I'm done with their menu, I just start calling out stuff like, how about if you put mezcal in? Because <laughs> I love it so work? much. Yeah, they nail it every yeah. time. They're expert at it. Their library is, really nice is also ridiculous. Yeah. Like the, the toys that they have to play with. is For Minnesota. Yeah, for Minnesota. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> Qualifier. Not for like San Diego, but no. oh, yeah, for here it's, it's awesome. Their agave selection is really, really cool. Yeah, it's just like that is, that honestly, as much as it, I would hate seeing bottle prices boost up, I would love to have more tequila and mezcal options in bars around here where you don't have to go, what do I not hate? Right. And like, it would be nice yeah. to pick something because, oh my God, I love that you have that instead of, ugh, ugh, I'd love if they ugh, could expand uh, their bar because of uh, Popovu becoming the um, bakery now. Yeah. Yeah. Vivier. I, yeah. Vivier. There you go. If they could have expanded the bar so that they could have an even broader agave selection, that would be really cool. Just because I'm such a, a snob for that stuff that like, if they could have a dozen pachugas, I'd be so excited. <laughs> So I'm sure you'd expect my answer to have something to do with mezcal or bourbon, which are probably my two favorite spirits if I had to pick. But like people ask me frequently, what's your favorite cocktail? Because I have a variety of cocktails that I go to frequently. Uh, Dirty vodka martini. Yeah. That would be my go-to. That was what I was thinking. I always want one. Uh, I'm very much a salt, not sugar guy. Yeah. Anything that has sugar in it. So like if I'm drinking old fashions... Even if I make them with like very little Pilanchillo syrup, because that's how I make mine, the Jesse Heldway. After like three, I'm like, that's enough sugar, and then I'm drinking the bourbon. <laughs> Even straight. that is it. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I'm just drink. You know, then I just want the bourbon straight or on the rocks. I but, really uh, hold on. Dirty, I really, I really salty, dirty martini. Oh, plus you need. Hey, on a desert island, you need some sodium. In that's your body, fair. That's true. So. I wasn't thinking about the chemical <laughs> components involved. I, I'm not going to get rickets with the lime. In my drink <laughs> yeah, exactly. Either, I'm so, not yeah. Keeping scurvy oh, away. Yeah. Should I use tonic? <laughs> I just. I really. I really want you to put a comment in that, and I just want you to look at it old fashioned and be like, "That's enough sugar." Instead of that's enough sugar. I, I pictured mm-hmm. you just kind of like comma. Yep, that's a good name for a dry. It. That's a good name for a dry old fashioned. There it is. Yeah, yeah. You go. That's the new dry old fashioned for our cocktail yeah. book. We have to remember that. Yeah. Props to Mike. Page, page one done. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, speaking of cocktails, thank God we're not on a desert island. No. All right. Oh, yeah. That's so good. Um, what out, trying to like lighten our mood a little bit and talk about some good stuff. Obviously, this year, everybody's tired of hearing it. It's uncharted waters. It's un, uh, unforeseen, or unseen times, blah, 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 blah. What 
in this world inspires you, what gives you gas when you're having a bad day, what puts gas in your engine, what makes you what makes you happy? What make, what gives you faith in in the world? And it could be something that's always been true. It could be something that you realized in the last year. Uh, I got. I kind of honestly, I sort of have two answers for that. Um, one of them is sort of reflecting what has the reckoning, the, the one of many reckonings that has gone on over history uh, when it comes to to racial issues in this country and in this state and in the city. Um, the the breadth of people coming together to say hey this is enough like something needs to change yep. and we're going to work together to, to make that happen you know I, I'm only 42 I was not alive in the 60s I, I pro- perhaps even though I enjoy history I, I probably don't have the, the basis with which to say this but I'll say it anyway I feel like there's something there and that this does definitely feel like more people pulling in a, in a common direction than it ever has in my lifetime and that actually makes me feel as, as heart-wrenching as this year has been, that's always something that's sort of been in the back of my mind. Like, well, maybe this, it seems like this time something will really change. Um, so that's kind of the heavy answer. The, the, the light answer to me is I got married this year. I, I married uh, a coworker which is weird. I married a best friend, which is also weird. Like yep. we were friends for seven and a half years before we oh, even wow. started dating. I didn't know coworkers. That. Uh, Eric is a typical Minnesotan. He carried a flame. He kept the, the little flame in his, like, hidden from the entire world. It was like a match flame for seven and a half years uh, for various reasons, but mostly because I was uh, in a relationship for most of that time, and he's not a homewrecker. Uh, and then when when time came that I, I had been single for a while, he sort of spoke up, and that led us three and a half years later to getting married this, this September. I... I want to say to people who are listening and have spent quarantine and COVID times alone, I feel you. Yeah. Like I, I was a, I'm an only child. My mom's an only child. We have a very small family. I didn't know anybody in this city when I moved here. I literally knew no one. And so I know what it's like to be alone. Um, as much of an introvert as I am, I still crave that connection with people. It's just like four people instead of 40 people. <laughs> yeah. Ben, uh, <laughs> just kidding. But I saw the eye. <laughs> so I, I, I get, I can't imagine doing this alone. No. And the thing that I am thankful for every day that I wake up is that Eric is in my life and that we are together and we are thriving to the extent that we can interpersonally during this time. I, I never so take huge. that for granted. Oh, that's beautiful. I love... I check love in love. on your friends. Yeah. yeah. Even if you're listening to this post-COVID times, just check in with your friends. Yep. You and know, keep doing that going point. forward. Yeah. Yeah, especially those those of us that you know that are alone, whether it's because they're widowed or single or newly divorced or uh, what have you, just lifelong bachelor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Check, check in with your people. What about you, Charles? What gives you what gives you fuel? That was an exceptional answer, and it embodied so much of my, <laughs> my own values. You know, I'm a I'm a lifelong uh, humanitarian. It's like my number one principle in life. I've done a lot of work with Amnesty International, Oxfam America. So a lot of what's happening obviously touches me very deeply. And you know, Kwam, you know a lot about that as well. But I think if you speak in terms of like the basest uh, need to to survive and thrive. Uh, I, I always refer back to my, my brother, Tony, my brother who's disabled, uh, who I love dearly. He's my best friend. And with everything that's happening right now, 
I look at the way that I behave in public and if you know I never shop I never I never go to stores I order everything online um, I'm I'm so careful and I I'm passing those ideals along to as many people as possible so that they can have similar habits or at least have someone nudge them partly because there's this like weirdness of conflating masculinity with not wanting to die from a horrible virus yeah. or for someone you know to die from it so there's something to be said for my willingness as a relatively masculine male to be the one in a group of men in like a chat group to say that doesn't look safe like didn't one of your relatives recently test positive for covid like too many of us are avoiding tough conversations and i am deeply motivated currently to keep us all alive not just my brother but you know your brother and our parents and uh, people's grandparents who are present um, and things of you know friends and neighbors and the disabled people in nursing homes that's a for right now if you're talking about like current times what you know motivates me and keeps me going because i lack sometimes personal uh, uh energy for lack of a better phrase i guess since we have so so little to do now yeah it's i'm 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 hyper motivated like my motivation is to protect people that need protecting right now that's it man the <clears throat> The anti-bully side of me that really over the years has gotten off on bullying bullies, it, it's yeah. not the most mature thing, but goddamn, does that light a fire stronger than anything else? When you try and step on or offend somebody because you're just desperate to offend somebody, like that makes my blood fucking boil. Yeah. I had a, a really interest, in, uh, interesting discussion with my mom about this because uh, my mom was an activist through high school and college and still, I mean, she spent her entire adult career smashing through glass ceilings. Mm. Um, she worked almost exclusively since the 80s in politics so you can imagine what a wild fucking world she's watched. <laughs> and I, I, I said it's really hard for me to read these stories about the gains that we made in the 60s and then from my point of view it basically looks like we spent most of the 70s all of the 80s and a good portion of the 90s eroding all of that and now here we are again having those same discussions should women be able to control their bodies are gay people allowed to marry is an african-american person the same as a white person there are portions of this country that are still fighting the same fights that they were fighting in the 50s and 60s. And what she said is something that I have tried to tell myself every day is the difference, Ben, is that we can find each other and we can hear each other right away. She's like, I grew up in a small town in northern Minnesota and I thought my sister and I were the only people on earth that were fighting for women's rights. She's like, I didn't even know a gay person, so I didn't understand that, that, or I didn't know anybody that had told me that they were gay. Right. She's like, I probably knew a gay person but to see what the women's movement has turned into now and to see what the lgbtq uh movement and and has has turned into and what has happened with the civil disobedience just in 2020 much less the gains that we've made she's like you can see the road and any little girl growing up or any little boy growing up we can't keep them from society currently trying to marginalize them but 
they know that there's a hugely powerful and vocal movement that's backing them too. Mm -hmm. And that's going to find, she goes, she said, that's going to help a lot of people find their voices a lot earlier than I did. Mm -hmm. She's like, even through college, I still didn't stand up for myself until I had finally been pushed so hard. And she's like, being a single mom with you, that was what made me fight back. Because if I lost, we wouldn't have food on the table. She goes, if I had known that there were these organizations, if I had known that there were hundreds of thousands of people that were fighting for the same thing I was, maybe I would have found my voice sooner. So she's like, that's, the, that's where the hope comes for me. So, so, I mean, over the course of history, in so many ways, rep, it's proven representation matters. Yep. Like you, Charles, speaking up, even within your friend group, representing somebody who's thinking about the greater good is representation and it's enough to jog somebody's thought process because they have a personal relationship with you and know you and feel like they're connected to you to perhaps question what they've always believed when it comes to racial issues when it comes to to um sexism when it comes to lgbtq issues like that's why that's why i'm out on the air people there are there are people who at times have talked to me on social media or sent me an email and said who cares if you're gay i agree like you shouldn't care that i'm gay i'm not doing it for me this isn't about me this is about the kid like i was growing up in a relatively small town in a pretty red part of upstate new york that didn't see anybody in his little orbit that looked acted talked to talked like i did and so i assumed that well the only gay people I know are, are those two people. I'm not like them, so I must not be gay. I was confused for years because I didn't see somebody in the real world that I could identify with that was like me. And so, I mean, even podcasts, you talk about how connected we are. A lot of people think of social media, but these niche ideas and, and hosts uh, having a platform to reach the entire globe, that's all part of it. And as much as I hate social media most of the time, that is a good part of it. I'm sure there are times you wish that your sexuality was a formality, but unfortunately, you don't have that liberty. Yep. Like it's yeah. not. I it's didn't make not, the rule. I didn't make the rules. Exactly. It's not, it's not the world we're in right now. I, w- I wish it was too, but no one's ever like, wait a second, hey, Ben, Ben, are you straight? Well, <laughs> and that has to be. That has to be. Like we've talked about before. Like I recognize that I'm basically like an apex predator of privilege. I'm a straight, giant white guy living in the Midwest in a middle class with a middle class upbringing like that is the game is set up for me to win and i don't know if it's like my years as an offensive lineman where i don't make the play i just make room for the play to happen Mm -hmm. that's still how i see social media Mm -hmm. like whenever somebody in my especially for my family like friends me i'm like just so you know like i i I try, I try and stay away from some of this when we're having like the three hours that we all get to sit around the holiday table. You don't need to hear my thoughts on international politics. Yeah. But if you're going to follow me on social media, you're going to hear all of it. And if you want pictures of puppies and pictures <laughs> of food, I, some of that's on there for me. There's some of that. But most of it's... <laughs> I've seen a pug. Yeah. <laughs> most, a of it's, most of it's me getting pretty aggressive and, uh, and speaking up because we have to all do that. Until there's not somebody shouting the opposite... I have to keep shouting. Mm-hmm. And that, it's as much as I have to say it, like sometimes it's those people shouting the negative shit that fuels me to, to keep going. You know, like there's got to be something else we can do. There's got to be someone else we can talk to. There has to be something else that we can share. There's got to be, there always has to be more until it's not a fight to erase people in our society. We all have to fight against the eraser. Yeah, I saw something today about someone saying, oh, we've been, the United States has been a democracy for hundreds of years. And I was like, 
wait a second, black people could only vote as of 55 years ago. Mm-hmm. That was only 16 years before my birth mm-hmm. that black people were allowed to vote. Mm-hmm. Think about that for a second. And then think about the current state of the world. It's not all, you know, it's not like these rules have been here forever and they've been protected forever. These rules have been forever changing and we need to protect and advance them. Having to watch when, um, <laughs> just the fact that I have to say this sentence, when gay marriage was ruled to be legal, to know a 62 and a 65 year old who were sobbing because for the first time in their life they were allowed to be married like what society did we think we were living in before that how can anybody even fucking say the word freedom if we're gonna say no to human beings that want to love each other and be with each other like that that's the block that i don't understand when people wave the flag and yell freedom and they're like but not for you, not for you, not for you, not for you. And I'm almost like, I'd rather, if you could just say that, at least we know that that's what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. But you try to pretend that you're a patriot and you really care about America, but you're using code words because you're a fucking coward. I definitely, you talk about the, the older couples that got married. Like, I, I'm, as I said, I was, I'm 42. I honestly didn't, I assumed I was never going to be able to be married. Uh, and I assumed that I would probably be able to have some sort of civilly recognized ceremony. So mm-hmm. I know that, I also have it really easy compared to the generations that came before me and did a lot of the hard work that we're now benefiting from as a society. God damn. Well, I was hoping that that was supposed to be the light question. (laughs) The light question. (laughs) So how about a drink to that? Okay. To everyone. It's been a heavy year, guys. You know, like, I mean, this is, I'm sitting in my house. My dog doesn't pay any attention, and Mm -hmm. Eric is often busy doing other stuff. So I need to talk to somebody about this stuff. (laughs) Thank you. We could be here for that. Yeah, we've we've said this is a reprieve for us at times as well, you know, stuck at home a lot. Yeah. I was looking forward to this all day. I've just been excited. This isn't a tree of trust. It's a tree house. Yeah, it's a tree house, man. Come hang out whenever. We're drinking in the tree house <laughs> at PNA Hall. We didn't even mention that. Our home base, PNA Hall. I'll hit it on the. I'll hit it on the outro, girl. Yeah. <laughs> My turn, huh? Yeah. Did we take a drink? Let's take a drink. We Ooh. did, but we can take another yeah, one. Take another drink. Let's take another. <laughs> oh yeah. My last question. It's beginning to get really chilly around these parts, of course. If you could be anywhere else in the world right now, where would you be? Oof. Hot. He was, Mike was taken aback by that question. No, and, I, that's, a, that's the hardest question you've asked me. Really? Actually. Yeah. Okay. If you want a second to th- think about that, we can definitely take some answers because I, I knew this question one? was coming, so I got to think about it. All right. Go yeah, for go it. for it. All right. Uh, now, in asking this, money not an issue or my current financial status? No, just whatever. Dream, you dream could to, you, could la- you could land on Mars with the new rover if you want. <laughs> no, uh, Cape, no Town, Cape Town, South Africa. Okay. It has been... Um, where your in, friend is from? Yep, where my friend is from. That she showed the pictures. Uh, I watched a documentary uh, over Christmas uh, that was just a travel series through South Africa and it almost made it worse for me. Like I was lusting to go there mm-hmm. because it's distance wise about as far from here as you can be. And it just looks like the most luscious, beautiful, mm-hmm. gorgeous history filled area. And you got beaches and you got like the, there's like three different climates within driving range of there. So 
you can go and experience the, the beach for a couple days and you can spend a bunch of time eating at great restaurants and then you can cruise inland and you could see amazing wildlife and all that. And that my, when I travel, there are places that I love to go because it feels like home, even though it's very far away. Mm-hmm. And there's places that I love to go because I love finally being somewhere that's so completely different than mm-hmm. what I'm normally used to. And Cape town seems like a little bit of both. Like when you look at the restaurant culture there, it looks exactly the same as restaurants in New York or Minneapolis or wherever. But then you put the backdrops behind it and it's like, oh, well, that's wildly different. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then introducing just the history of thousands of years in that area. Like that to me, that's the dream. If I could go anywhere, that's where I would be. Wow. Good answer. Holy cow. All right. A clarifying question, Charles. Uh, like this winter season or can i make the weather be whatever i want to because or should right, i just give right you my two I like, I, I like that clarifier it's though time and place so it okay. would have to be currently all right so then in that case that the answer is uh is maui uh wailea and maui it's a okay. uh, place that uh, i've only been to a couple of times but i've been fortunate enough to be there for eight days each time and as you said, Ben, that's a place that feels wildly different and exotic in a very interesting way, but also feels so much like home, even after only having been there twice, that I know I could probably never live there. I think that I would get island fever and, and feel a little trapped. But Too many jungle birds? We're too many jungle birds, yeah. <laughs> um, but I immediately feel all the stress of my life melt away when I'm there in a way that almost doesn't happen anywhere else. If it was summer, I would say uh, my friend Steve's family home on Martha's Vineyard. Oh, in come Oak on. Yeah, that's where we were supposed to get married this year. Um, <laughs> it was always supposed to be a small ceremony with just like 12 or 15 people. And Steve is my chief meteorologist from my Albany station and also a very good, obviously, very good friend. He, every year, would invite us friends out to the, the, the house on Martha's Vineyard. And it... I always thought that I grew up going to Cape Cod and I always thought as a little kid that Martha's Vineyard was snooty. It's, I mean, it's not, it is just like down home people, uh, amazing views, hugely relaxing. And when COVID hit, we made the choice. We still could have gotten married there, but we made the choice to not and, uh, go back for some sort of vow renewal or something. Um, so that our parents could both be there together for, for their first time and be able to do it in sort of normal circumstances. So that's my, that's my summer answer. I love real quick that you picked what would probably be three and four on my list. Really? So, uh, when I was in sixth grade, my mom promised me that if I got straight A's, we'd go to Hawaii and I never got straight A's. I got like all A's and one B. And, oh, and then it continued on into college and I still never pulled off straight A's. And then it just became this thing where eventually I was going to get to go to Hawaii and it just never, never materialized. Like my mom and I have talked about going on a trip cause we'd never just done a trip together. It just never happened. And so I kept thinking that there was going to be a time where Hawaii just finally called me and said, now is where we're going to go. And it never happened. And then Martha's Vineyard, one of my good friends in college Everybody else went off to go get their jobs right out of college. Like, we're going to go be adults. And one of my buddies was like, I'm going to go be a bartender on Martha's Vineyard. And he was out there for three years. And 
I never said it, but I was in discussions with friends of mine from that group that were like, yeah, he's just fucking around. He's never going to do anything. Well, he wanted to be, he wanted to get into Hollywood and he ended up meeting some connections out there. And now he has a house in LA, a house here, and he's produced like 11 movies. <laughs> he's worked oh on TV God. shows. Like, and it all started. The funniest part is the, the most jealous I am was that he got those three years from 22 to 25 living on Martha's Vineyard, yeah. bartending, and just getting invited to all of those houses because yeah. he's incredibly charming and really funny. And those stories, even like, I mean, he rubs elbows with ridiculous celebrities. And I've actually met celebrities that know him through that. None of that ever makes me jealous. It's the time on Martha's Vineyard <laughs> where you didn't have any attachments to anything. You didn't have any cares in the world. But you still got to take in all of that beauty. Yeah, I've been working since I was fifteen, and I I went like I had eight days off between my job in Albany and, and starting my job here. I have never had that opportunity to do what you just said, and oh. I am also very. That is the one of my very few regrets in life. That if I could tell my younger self, like study abroad for a semester. I was too scared to do it. I, I don't know why, but uh, I, I just never had that chance. And I, so, yeah, I feel you. That's Ugh. crazy. I guess, again, like, like I said about the stupid s- small head thing, I feel like talking with you guys, I've realized <laughs> that a lot of my things in my life, I'm not weird for thinking. No, definitely not. Right? Or at least you found two other, <laughs> two other, weirdos. Two other weirdos to commiserate <laughs> with. Uh, Charles, I have an idea of how you're going to answer this, but... I actually don't. I was just going to... I was just going to shoot from the hip on Sweet. this one. I want to give the cheeky answer and say, I never really wanted to go to Aus- Australia or New Zealand, but right now would be a fucking good time to be there. <laughs> it's summer. They're all partying in throngs because there are no local cases of COVID there. Oh. The real answer, though, if it were all things equal, even if it wasn't, if there was a way I could teleport and even do so with like my mom and my brother Tony, even my brother and his wife and my wife, uh, Lebanon, yeah. So we went, I go basically on average every 18 months, uh, have a condo there. And in the last two years, the only time, the last two and a half years now, actually, the only time I've been there was for our family reception. When my wife and I got married in July, 2019, we had a flyby. We were there for four and a half days. We did a reception, saw the family went to Spain as part of our like grand plan to have this cool wedding and be able to spend it with some family and not make any of them feel like they had to come here. But that was super quick. And now it has been much longer than it normally is for me to visit. And I'm really missing it, particularly because last year I lost two uncles, uh, one to COVID and I'm so happy they were at the reception. Like, I'm so happy we did that because I don't have to regret not having seen them uh, for the last year plus of their lives. But now knowing, you know, I have family there that's hurting because of the loss of those two men and just people. I I mean, selfishly, people I haven't seen for a long time yeah. uh, and sights I haven't seen for a long time. And just like the, the sea air from the balcony, you know, look overlooking the Mediterranean and a yeah. cigar and a beer, just cigar with your feet. A, yep. Cigar, cigar. Like right when I arrive, crack an Almaza, pour myself some scotch, light a cigar next morning. Same thing. Light a cigar, drink some Turkish espresso. Like, uh, I miss all those things and I miss all those people. So if it's really a matter of the heart, like that's, I wish I could be there now or now ish, like yep. <laughs> sometime soon, you know, as, 
my the one between those the two that yeah, was you missing, never mentioned number two exactly was, it was it's because i think I'm, I'm still gonna try and make it happen in 2021 but um my wife and i it'll be 10 years together in may and we were going to take both of our mothers to norway oh. um both our parents are very strongly Norwegian and we were going to take them around for a few days as tour guides and then send them home. And then we were going to have a 10 year anniversary. I don't think it's going to happen on our anniversary, but I'm not, I'm not ready to give up on that trip yet. It just may be fall. And I mean, to be honest, like the dates don't really matter that much. I no, like as long having, as you have sunlight, right? Right, exactly. like daylight, yeah, which is good up until like November or December. Yeah. So, and we're going to do, we're going to do Oslo and then all the way up to Lofoten above the Arctic circle. So I do have to be a little bit more, I have to push it a little harder because I really don't want to go to like, in my opinion, the most beautiful place on earth when it's night, 20 hours a day. And it starts going in September. It starts really visibly vanishing. So we're going to see. I'm holding on hope. That it'll happen. <laughs> and I mean, if, it Northern, if you I have to so. go, then Northern Lights would be a thing oh, because yeah, the that's, that's high on my list too. Uh, so. I've never, re- I've, I've seen like the faint glow on yeah, the horizon, I've, and not even here. I saw it in, in upstate New York. Oh, yeah. um, I've tried here, and it's I'm like, you guys are lying to me. Up the shore <laughs> in Duluth, I've seen like you said the the wisp Very elements. Faint. Yeah, but like I mean, my friends take pictures in Norway and send it back, and I mean, it looks like like a kid got finger paints and just went across the sky and I need to see that here we are with like all of our technology and understanding of how that works and yet it the fact that that still draws everybody who sees it or wants to see it in is still pretty amazing to yeah me. like you can know everything and you're still like yeah but that's amazing yeah <laughs> yeah I feel like you're on another planet uh well we're at the final question so cheers everybody cheers All right, so I did hint at this earlier, and I thought, given where we were going with all of our questions, like we could get kind of serious, and we definitely did. But um, sorry, no, no, no. I, <laughs> honestly, much like you said with representation, you know, you know, much, much lower level of importance. If there's other people out there that are listening to this that feel like my head's too small, my head's too big, I've been pining <laughs> yeah. for somewhere to go. Yeah. I shouldn't love that sweater, but I do. Like, I hope That's you find point. things in, in this that are, like, relatable and interesting and whatever. But to, to try and, and make everybody get a little giggle in here, I thought you have a, um, you have a different, well, a different lack of safety net at work. <laughs> like, if I screw up in a meeting in front of everybody and I say, oh, fuck. Everybody goes, ha ha, you remember when Quam said fuck? If you do that on the air, yeah, that's, that's an FCC fine and a bunch of calls come in. Yeah. So, it doesn't have to be profanity related by any means, but um, what is the worst, best, funniest, any one of those blooper, uh, mix-up? Uh, my wife and I call them Adora fails at home, where okay. something just can't possibly work, but it's uh-huh. so adorable watching you try to get there uh, <laughs> um, that you've ever had happen to you or that you've watched somebody else do okay so i was involved in this one this was within probably a year or two of of me moving here and uh my anchor that my co-anchors the team that i was with for the first four years that i was here mike binkley angela davis carrie mcnally who was our traffic reporter and myself and we constantly got like are you you guys really like each other as much as you do no we like each other more than it looks like we do on television like i've spent easter at angela's house and so we were really quite a family, but w- 
I was very much, I feel like I was very much thrown under the bus uh, when there was a horrifying incident that occurred on the air and they tossed to me because they needed to get off of <laughs> so what <brutal>. happened. <laughs> the horrifying incident was, so we're fortunate enough, as people who, who live in Minneapolis know, and for those of you who don't live here may not realize, we have a, an amazing community, well, community theater scene, but also professional theater Absolutely. scene Absolutely. Uh, the Guthrie Theater is a world-renowned theater that's here in Minneapolis. And if you talk to any person you've seen on television or on Broadway, three out of four of them are going to say that they've either tried to or done some show at the Guthrie yep. Theater. So we feel very, very fortunate. Uh, and because of that, we have a pretty... We're sort of inserted into the middle of press junkets and tours for movies that are opening or directors that have a new project or actors that are in town doing something at the Guthrie Theater. Well, on a morning show back in like 2010, uh, Henry Winkler came in and I, you know, who doesn't love the Fonz? Yeah. Just like literally the nicest guy in the world. And if you don't believe what you read, this should make you believe it. He, we, at that time, we had our main uh, morning studio on the Nicollet Mall side of our building. And at that time, there was a, a riser that the anchor desk and the chairs were set up on. It was probably nine inches, ten inches a foot, maybe. Uh, and it was just so that the cameras could have a better angle looking behind us out to Nicollet Mall. Well, Henry Winkler came and sat in the middle seat. Mike and Angela flanked him, and he just started, like, talking, and he was very demonstrative, and his chair kept backing up and backing up and backing up. And on the air live, that (laughs) motherfucker rolled off the back of the riser, head hit the glass window, didn't break, didn't break, and they're like... Oh, oh uh, we'll go to Mike with the weather. And Over to that, you, Mike. And at that time, I was... The, the, so I stand in front of a green screen, and if you, can, if you can picture... No, I was horrified. It was like a childhood hero that literally almost cracked his head open in front of me. Oh, my God. So this entire space was... I just laughing up. ...was like as wide as these two tables. So maybe 12 feet, 15 feet, something like that. And I was standing facing the anchor desk. They were right in front of me. So, like, they tossed to me. I don't know what the hell to say. And so I just went into weather. But then also I'm seeing, like, all the scurrying and there's somebody coming over and helping Mr. Winkler up. And, like, this is all going on in my field of view. So I... I You're trying to just be straight and do your job. Yes. Oh you, you have a constant chaos in your <laughs> periphery. Yes. And I, is he really hurt? Is he bleeding? Like, I don't know. Did he we just kill the funds? <laughs> he, so we, he didn't come back on the air, but we, we said, like, he was okay. And he, like, he was totally cool about it. Trust us, folks. It's, pos- not dead. <laughs> it's possible he did it on purpose, but his head hit that window. I don't think that's the case, oh, but God. he was so damn cool about the whole experience. He's the Fonz, baby. <laughs> oh, way. That's so what? fucking awesome. I will and never forget that. He's had such a cool career renaissance, too. I know. Oh, my God. Like, I he's know. Such yeah, a, he's like, are you guys yeah. watching Barry? I, obsessed. Yeah, I love Barry's Barry. incredible. Yeah, so Bill Hader is one of my favorite humans yeah. on Earth yeah. and probably the celebrity I dreamed to meet the most. And I wasn't expecting to even really care about Henry Winkler. Yep. And his character is the heart of that show. Absolutely. Like, I love everything about it. Yeah, yeah he's so talented. Oh, he man. is a national treasure. I mean, <laughs> he has national treasure status. Big time. Uh, um, Charles, would you file anything under the bloopers or Adora fail dude, category? I came into this thinking that a uh, lightning bolt would strike because I can only think of lame shit. <laughs> I got not, Go, go ahead. Right. Let me see, if, let me see right. if I can get the creative juices flowing. Otherwise, I'm going to tell a really lame story. All right. I... I <laughs> 
I don't think I've ever told this story to you, and I definitely yeah. don't think I've told it on this podcast. But we've burned through a lot of embarrassing stories. Well, like, no, I got them. I got them for miles, <laughs> man. Don't up, worry like, about airplanes that. landing at LAX. You yeah, got tons. like never forget that. Like <laughs> when all else fails, I'll go Chris Farley on the bit. So there's lots of those. <laughs> but this one, thankfully, doesn't involve me. I kind of got to be you in in this story. So um, we opened a club in Columbus, Ohio, and. Um, God, I, I don't think I've told this story. Is this the one with the air conditioning? No. Okay, good. So it's <laughs> good. not that. All right, so we opened a club in Ohio, uh, yeah. in Columbus, um, capital city. And so basically when anything opens, they just get like a local politician to come down. We had a line of over 1,000 people for yeah, an did, hour before. You did tell this story. The air conditioner was out. You guys smoked a joint in the cooler. Nope. Same many, same bar. How many clubs does a politician come to? The, no, no. This okay, is this is a big this trip. Is, okay, this, this is, is one week different from that. Okay. So we kept throwing like two. It was like first Friday, or it was first Thursday. Then it was first uh-huh. Friday. Then it was okay. first Saturday, and we had different politicians coming down and doing ribbon <laughs> right. cuttings. Uh-huh. I mean, dude, people just eat it up because again, there's not there's not a ton to do in Columbus because yeah. it's not like it's not a central city, right? You know, it would be like if St. Paul was by itself somewhere. Like there's restaurants and bars, sure, but without the nightlife in Minneapolis, there there's just not as much going on. So, um, uh, hang on, Sloopy. Is the Ohio State like fucking song? Really? Which I've I never. Know that. Okay. Yeah, I've never. A school that big, like at University of Wisconsin, it's jump around and the whole, like the whole arena, a hundred thousand people, like jump up and down. That's to pretty it. cool. It's wild to see that. It's even wilder to be in the stadium because it feels like it's going to cave into the ground. Yeah. Um, theirs is "Hang On Sloopy." I'm sure there's some charming, sure. antiquated story that <laughs> works for it. I don't know what it is. All we got, all we were told over and over and over, is it's the it's the song that'll get everybody riled up. These are all OSU students, fans, former students that never left town. If you ever get into trouble and you can't figure out what to do, that'll get them and you're good to go. So in the DJ community, we'll call those like home runs where I know this will work. If I can't figure out where to go, we'll do that. So I talked to the band, the band's like, we know it, we're good. And so in, in, at Ohio State games, it's hang on, Sloopy, Sloopy, hang on. And then they, O-H-I-O. Got it. And they, they do the YMCA letters with their hands, uh-huh. and it's, that's the thing. So <laughs> the, ba- the band tried to do the second Tom Petty song in that set, and the crowd just was not there for that. They wanted raging party songs. They honestly kind of just wanted to kick it back over to the DJ. And we were... It was so early in the night, we were trying to like pull back a little bit because sure. we got to go till 2 a.m. Yeah. And so I look over at Scott, the singer, and he's like, Sloopy? I'm like, yeah, just do something. <laughs> Break the glass. So they go into it, and the crowd goes fucking apeshit. I mean, it was beautiful because it was a really skinny and a really long bar, so you could see all the way back. And it was just thousands of people, hands in the air, screaming. And they go into the chorus... And then immediately the whole crowd goes silent. And he looks over at me. He goes, what happened? I was like, dude, you just spelled oyo. <laughs> because he tried to lead a minute and he spelled O-I-H-O. But he did that on the first chorus. <laughs> so you got to go through the rest of the song with a bunch of people knowing that you don't even know how to spell a four-letter state. Wait. And you're definitely not from here. Is he dyslexic? <laughs> it's just backwards. Nope. He just got super excited. Got up in it, yeah. Just okay. a good old boy. Oh, my God. From just north of Atlanta, Georgia. The arms just started swinging. Yeah. And 
it was, I mean, drink cups, bottles, everything. Uh, we ended up having to just shut the whole soundboard off, push them off stage, and then I had to just take over DJing. And I was like, I don't know who the fuck those guys are. <laughs> yeah, right just under the sold bus. them right the fuck out. <laughs> like, absolutely not. And then I just dropped it, and we got through it. I couldn't stop laughing about to this day <laughs> if I'm at like at a mall and they have cool 108 on and that song comes yeah. on when the chorus hits you every time that. I have to like take a step and just take a breath and be like <laughs> fuck that was amazing so you had to go through all that but now you have this story it's, that will come with you till you die and everyone that I know that's from Ohio or went to Ohio State or has even spent time there the minute they hear that story they're just crying <laughs> because they're like I can't imagine what you would do because there's nowhere to go yeah you're just stuck on stage and the crowd is it's it's seven seven twenty right no jesus christ qualm 280 so it's like there's only 90 degrees behind you that's open 270 there we go jesus christ it's almost like we've been drinking this whole time uh but yeah so they basically just had to hide kind of behind the car the curtain and the wooden pillar until people had forgotten that they were there yeah and then they just kind of snuck out to the side and literally the singer went and changed shirts oh my god he was like i can't have them no he like he had his hat backwards he put it yeah. forwards like ah, we're a different man now <laughs> but yeah oyho will always be funny to me that's excellent <laughs> Oh, poor Charles. He's like, nah, my story's even worse. I mean, I got something. It's just not, there's there's no great way to tell the story, but everyone who listens to this probably knows I have a great love for all things Shell's Brewing Company, brewery in, in New Ulm. I've talked about Bachfest. The, the oldest of the G. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Second oldest. Second oldest. Brewery in well, it's but, in Yingling, right? Yeah. Yeah. But for Minnesota. Yes. Because. Oh, yeah. Is it, wasn't Yorg around the same time, but they closed for like 80 years and now they've reopened? Yingling is the oldest. Yep. Well, it's still running. But yeah, anyway, sorry. Correct. So, shout out to Shells. Bach Fest, Bach, the celebration of all things Bach beer, happens in the middle of winter. Uh, I told a story, I believe it was the Justin Sutherland episode about the Randy Savage glasses. Yeah. And like, it's like 20 below and we're out there hanging out. Yeah, because we were talking about hot and cold weather. Anyways, there's one year we were out there, obviously very drunk, obviously very cold. <laughs> I was really frustrated because I wore button zip. Pants oh. and uh-huh. you're whole, you're already double fisting cups. It's kind of you're not going to set it down. First of all, nope. you're in like they're giant like trailers that you have to urinate in uh, a, a button fly for for a dude who's got a beer in his hand and gloves on. Yeah, and it's yeah. ten below, practically a non-starter. So it took me, needless to say, like fifteen minutes every time I had to take a leave. <laughs> and I remember one one such visit to this like it was the biggest trailer on the top of a hill in kind of the main uh, grounds area i was particularly frustrated and when i came out i was like dude i just need to get back to my people down at that bonfire at the bottom of this hill i'm just gonna like walk down i'm gonna walk down the facing of this hill i was like it isn't that much ice it's mostly ice at the top well i also rarely i i never fall like i i've come close to falling on ice and i'm like my streak is alive you know like i'm i'm good at like taking risks and going on long walks where i don't avoid ice and i just have been really good at not falling on my ass but that fucking trip definitely made up for it because i'm standing at this fucking summit Above give, my friends. Give me a guesstimate of how, how long this hill is. I mean, if I'm telling a good story and remembering it the way it felt, <laughs> it was 300 yards. <laughs> it was probably a solid, like, 40 feet. Yeah, but that's, that's, that's a pretty long good. way to fall. Pretty good, right? 
So I'm, I still got my beer in my hand. And this is another thing you and myself, uh, Ben Hoffman and myself were talking about, not dropping drinks in particular situations. Sacrifice the body to so, save the drink. I'm still, I'm holding this half empty beer. I'm at the top of the hill. I take one, one careful step and I'm like, that's pretty good. I take a second step and my legs flew out from underneath me. <laughs> The reason I said there wasn't ice all over the top of the hill is because the ice was right at the top, but the whole thing was fucking mud. Oh. So, so I, I, I had an impromptu first sled of my life at age, I don't know, 34, <laughs> since I was probably 12. I just slid all the way down on my my fucking ass, my jeaned ass, all the way down to the bottom of the hill. I pretty much ended up where my friends were. and. <laughs> I, the velocity was such that I basically jumped right up, up to my feet yes. and didn't spill my beer yes. <laughs> and acted like nothing happened. Like I had just got there like, hey, guys. And they're like, whoa, fuck, where'd you come from? <laughs> However, what I didn't realize is my brother was at the top of the hill. <laughs> and one of my friends, I can't remember who, but they were laughing at me because they saw my entire ass covered in mud. <laughs> There's still a photo on Facebook. And that's what made me remember this. Because they took their phone out and they were like, your ass is covered in mud. And I bent over and just kind of like poked my <laughs> ass out. And the photo is of my mud-covered ass yes. while I'm drinking a beer at the bottom of this hill. More or less embarrassing than just pissing your pants and not even bothering with the button fly in the first place. That's when you, that's when you, add, that's when you add the mud. Yep. Yeah. You just pack it in. Yep. Add some mud. <laughs> I think it was less embarrassing because that's actually fun. And it looks yeah. goofy. Like, no one thinks you shit the outside of your pants. Right. I mean, <laughs> also, if you did, good talent. Slipping yeah. on ice is the great equalizer. Yep. Nobody, supermodel, yeah. right. uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, hey. Charles, Ben, me, nobody looks good fall, uh, slipping on ice. We were, we, we, we were, mentioned that on the show, too. Oh, really? Like, Minnesotans, when they fall, like, they get up and they look at the ground like it did something oh, wrong. What the fuck did you just do? Your, your fault. There's, there's, like, a list of things that we were trying to put together. This was back uh, before Thanksgiving of things that it's impossible to look cool doing. And it was, uh, we, we were to slipping on ice, uh, sneezing when it's a surprise, uh, a very sudden and very potent eye itch, uh-huh. and then a surprise fart. Because literally, if you're intending it, that's one thing. But we've all had one slip yeah. out randomly. And it, when it happens in a group, you can always tell because they are also surprising. <laughs> and it's just for a brief second. But when you get that, ooh, <laughs> that's my favorite look on anybody's face. Delightful surprise. But the next time you itch your eye, like when it just really itches out of nowhere, try and look at yourself or think about what your face looks like. It's horrific. <laughs> I actually have in my long list of potential questions, one is like, what thing, what thing do you do that like you look ridiculous doing no matter what you try? (laughs) When I was a teenager, our thing was if you had a beverage with a straw in it, I know we hate straws now, but at the time, like you're in a movie or something and you had a straw and you're sitting with your friends. I had myself and and several of my friends, we had this thing where we tried to look angry while sipping from a straw. (laughs) It's impossible to do. You look so stupid. (laughs) Just try it. Next time you drink out of a straw, try to look pissed off and look at someone like look at your wife, look at your husband, look at look at the look at the mirror and just try to look angry. (laughs) You look so stupid. I will I will give minor credit to Samuel L. Jackson, who probably gets the closest in Pulp Fiction when he looks at Brad as he takes a sip from a soda after the bite of Big Kahuna Burger. That is the coolest anybody's ever looked sipping at a straw. You definitely can't purse your lips. You basically have to leave your lip in, in a normal form. But, like, that's why it's funny, because when you do it, you almost, like, lean in. Like, yeah. Purse your you lips. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that. I would watch Samuel L. Jackson do anything. Absolutely. Yeah. If he just wants to come over and drink soda out of a straw, right. I'm in. 
future <laughs> guests of the show. <laughs> uh, as we're bringing it back into the station, if people uh, want to know more about you, want to follow you, want to learn about that inside weather club that we were talking right, yeah, about earlier, where you get the real shit, where you get the real information instead of that, uh, uh, those lies I put out on television, I guess. Where, where would they find you on the social medias? Uh, so if you can spell my name, great. Good for you. You're better than half of my friends. But if you can't, uh, just go to the Google machine. It will fill it in for you. But on, on uh, Twitter and on Instagram, I'm at Mike Augustinac. Uh, and then you can also get me on my website, which is MikeAugustinac.com. There's really not much interesting there you can just read about all the shit that i've done in my career hey that's legit yeah we all need some good reading materials uh charles if people are looking for you specifically instagram it came from the sea love it uh i am on instagram the underscore communist and again i just want to throw it out we have um we sell surly beer in a number of states in the country uh anybody out there listening if you want to help save an iconic iconic music venue um Definitely please grab a four-pack of uh, Surly and First Ave's plus one golden ale. Um, It's just a tasty beer, and it's a way of helping save something. Like Mike said, we're so blessed here to have such a vibrant theater community and music community. Um, No offense to... I, I know that there's athletes out there that are hurting. Minor league players are hurting right now. Professional sports are going to be fine. We need to keep every door open for every theater, every music venue, because that's where... That's where the people that are making it in their garage now are going to be able to play it for you to be able to change the lives of people somewhere down the road. Um, so help us help out and support the Twin Cities Music Collective Trust uh, if you can. Um, and thank you for listening. Welcome to 2021, baby. That's right. Cheers. 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 Love you. Thanks, guys. <laughs>